Thanks for listening to the weekend message from Abundant Life Church. Most weeks on the podcast, you'll hear teaching from our lead pastor, Jeremy Jernigan. We have campuses in Oregon and Washington and are committed to giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. Find out more about Abundant Life Church at alcpnw.com. Well, hey, friends, I don't know how you are holding up right now, but came across the story of a kid named Ben. And Ben was writing in his journal one of the early days of, of how the quarantine was going and wanted to share his perspective with you today. He, he writes this. He said, it is not going good. My mom's getting stressed out. My mom is really getting confused. We took a break so my mom can figure this stuff out. And I'm telling you, it is not going good. I don't know if, if your family can relate with, with Ben's perspective here or, or what this has been like for you, but I got to be honest, I'm just grateful it's not March anymore. I mean, that feels like the longest month of my life, and yet here we are. We're so grateful that you are joining us today. I want to welcome you to Abundant Life Church, wherever you're at today. And this is what's been really cool is normally we're in the Pacific Northwest, but as I'm hearing more and more of, of stories of how this is being shared, uh, I'm aware that, that you may be watching and joining us today and you may not be in the Pacific Northwest. We want to welcome you and wherever you are and however you got connected to this, we are so glad that you're a part of this with us. My name is Jeremy. I'm the lead pastor here and uh, we are a church, if you are new with us, about giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. And we're just preaching week to week right now. We normally go through series, and we had been in the series of John, but we're just taking this a week at a time, just allowing God to, to give us uh, our daily bread, our weekly bread, and not, not really go beyond that and go, all right, God, what is it right now that we need to process? And, and so if you're at home taking notes and you want to be able to reference back to what we're talking about today, the message today is, is called In the Wilderness, Then in our Bibles we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. And so I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible, uh, you have access to a Bible at your house or wherever you are, uh, to get that out, to get a Bible app on a phone or uh, get, get something that you can read this together with us. And, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 4 today. Now we're in this season of quarantine that is lining up in an interesting way with a season that's called Lent. Now you may uh, be familiar with Lent, maybe you're not, depending on your church background. Uh, some Christians celebrate Lent, some Christians don't, and, and, and it's not like you have to, or there's a formula for it, but a lot of Christians have found value uh, in Lent. And you go, well, what is Lent? Lent usually begins on Ash Wednesday and ends around Easter Sunday, and it's a season of preparation leading up to Easter. Uh, to prepare uh, oneself uh, for the celebration of Easter. And, and so Lent usually involves giving something up. And, and this can be, uh, you know, TV, it can be social media, it can be desserts, you know. Uh, giving something up that, that is a, a reminder of something else is coming. And, and so again, it, it's what directs you, it's what uh, prepares you for this Easter celebration. And as I was reflecting on uh, the message this week, I realized we're all, in a, in a season of Lent right now. And even if you don't practice Lent, and that's not something that you normally do, uh, essentially, because of the coronavirus, we all ha have uh, experienced an extreme version of Lent. And we are giving up many things uh, that we were used to, many things that are different now. But the challenge for us is with Lent, you know when the end date is coming. It's, it's Easter. It's, it's building you up to Easter. 
And yet here in this new season of Lent that we're in, in the midst of a quarantine, we don't know what we're preparing for. We don't yet know what is coming at the end of this or when the end will come. And yet there's some intriguing connections as we look at what's the point of Lent, where do we get this idea from, and really how do we prepare ourselves for what God is doing and what God wants to do through all of us. Now the idea of Lent is connected to the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness. And I, I want to go there today. I want to look at this story today. Uh, this is a story that I think is going to uniquely speak to what you and I are experiencing right now. And so if you're with me in Luke chapter 4, I want to begin reading in verse 1 as we see uh, what it looked like for Jesus to go into isolation. Luke says it like this. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time, and he became very hungry. It's one of those, uh, yeah, no-duh sentences in the Bible. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. So not only is Jesus in isolation here, he's also being tempted literally by the devil. And you go, wow, this is, this is intense. This is Jesus in quarantine, if you will. This is Jesus, uh, he's removed all the normal things, he's removed food, he's not eating food for these 40 days, and along comes Satan. And notice just the allure here. Uh, if you are the Son of God. Well, Jesus knows he's the son of God, but you, you ever have someone uh, approach you about that? Like, well, if you can do this, if you are really this, and, and, and it pings our insecurities, right? Oh, hold on, I, I am that, and I can prove that to you. And yet here Jesus is, is, is not going to be swayed by that. Now you might ask the question, well, how did Jesus get into this mess? I mean, how did Jesus get into isolation with the devil? I mean, uh, you may be in quarantine, and, and yet the reality is you're not in quarantine with the devil. Now, you might be looking at one of your family members right now. No, they're not the devil. Jesus is literally with the devil in quarantine, being tempted the whole time. You go, how did he get into that mess? I want you to notice the phrase we just read. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Now, Depending on your theology, you might have a, a little uh, question mark there like, wait, the Spirit led Jesus into this moment? And yet, as we've been talking about uh, in the last few weeks, that God, and, and if you follow God, does not say that he's going to protect us uh, from uh, trials and tribulations and testings. And here we see Jesus, in following the Spirit, ends up in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. Now, the next question, I think, is then, okay, if the Spirit led Jesus there, why? Why would the Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? And I think a lot of us are asking why questions right now. Why is this happening? Why did this uh, result in this outcome for me? Why did this person get it? Why, you know, we start asking these why questions. And, and it's so tempting to want to find really solid answers for the why questions. In fact, the, the, the why question can, can get you on a journey where you start looking for anything to grab onto. Because you need to know why is this 
happening. And N.T. Wright, who's a theologian, uh, wrote an article for Time Magazine. This is online right now, and I'd encourage you to, to read this. This was just this week, released this article. And he, he basically addressed this question of, in the midst of the coronavirus, uh, Christianity does not offer us a why answer to this. And I've been watching the reactions to uh, this piece that he wrote for time. And again, it's not super long. I'd encourage you to read it this week. Uh, but he, he's talking about Christianity is not uh, the thing that just gives us those easy answers. And, and again, as you look at a story of Jesus in the wilderness, being tempted by Satan, it's a reminder, yeah, why would we expect there would be easy answers? And in this article in Time, uh, N.T. Wright says this, and this is a fascinating insight. It says, rationalists, including Christian rationalists, want explanations. Romantics, including Christian romantics, want to be given a sigh of relief. But perhaps what we need more than ever, or more than either, is to recover the biblical tradition of lament. Lament is what happens when people ask why and don't get an answer. Now, there's a little bit of a continuation of what we talked about last week. And, and again, if you missed it, I encourage you, you can go online on, on YouTube or on our website and you can watch last week's message where I really unpack what does it look like for us to grieve the things that we're losing. And, and, and grieving and lamenting are certainly connected. But here, uh, Wright is basically saying lament happens when you ask the why question and you don't get an answer. And you begin to process that. Why is this happening? Why is God allowing this? Why did it happen to that person? Why is that person suffering? Why, why, why? And as we ask that question, we're not guaranteed an answer. And we begin to learn how to lament that, how to, how to grieve that, how to have space for that conversation. We'll go back to Luke 4, and you see the temptations continue. Verse 5, then the devil took him up and Revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Can you imagine that perspective? I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. It's an interesting line. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Now, this is a, an intriguing claim that Satan makes here, if you, if you notice, that he's saying he has authority over all earthly kingdoms. Now, I want you to notice Jesus doesn't refute this point. Jesus doesn't argue him. Jesus doesn't give a, a, a quote from the scriptures that, that gives a different perspective of this. Uh, Jesus seems to, to agree with this. Like, yeah, okay, you, you have that authority. Um, but I want you to notice Jesus isn't interested in acquiring this authority. That's interesting because a lot of Christians today, we want this authority. And, and, and I think it's a good reminder to understand who actually has that authority. It's not Jesus. Right? All the kingdoms of the world, the actual authority of that is, is Satan. And, and he, he claims this authority here and Jesus doesn't refute it. Nor does Jesus take a step forward to go, yeah, that, that should belong to me. I, I should have that authority back. It's a reminder to me that, that things can emerge in a space of isolation. Like, like this insight emerges in this season of isolation for Jesus. And, and again, many of us, we, we probably haven't thought about that. Go, well, that, that's an interesting insight there that, that Jesus doesn't have his authority and he doesn't want this authority. 
But that's the, the benefit of isolation. It's the benefit of a season of Lent. Is it gives you a perspective. It gives you the ability to begin to see things from a different point of view. To see things perhaps more clearly. And I want you to consider what are the things that you're seeing right now that maybe you've never seen before. Or maybe you've never seen them in the ways that you're seeing them right now. What new insights are you learning? Lean into these. Embrace these. This is what a time of isolation, this is what a time of quarantine can produce for us. One of the things that I've, I've heard a lot about, this has been true in my own uh, marriage, is that couples are, are seeing a different side of each other right now. I mean, couples who normally have their home life together are now seeing the work version of their counterpart, right? They're, they're seeing the work version of their spouse, you know, and, and the work version of their partner going, wait, what, what's going on here? What, what is it that you're doing? And, and uh, again, my, my wife and I have been working from home during the season. And so I'm seeing her work from home. She's seeing me work from home. And there's just aspects of that that are unique that, that you don't normally see when you're out at work or you're going to an office. And, and I was reading online a number of people sharing insights of things that they are realizing uh, about who they are with because they're seeing them in, in work mode. And I'll, I'll read a couple of these to give you perspective. Laura said this, a funny thing about quarantine is hearing your partner in full work mode for the first time. Like I'm married to a let's circle back guy. Who knew? Uh, it is hilarious. Like you, you hear him say that, you're going, wait, that's my husband? My husband's the let's circle back guy? And Laura learned that for the first time. Or Clancy said this, I love it. Hearing my wife in meetings, especially with subordinates, and it dawns on me that she uses personnel management techniques on me all the time. I mean, Clancy's having some real huge insights right now going, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is all coming into focus because we're seeing different sides of each other. We're, we're seeing versions of each other. We're, we're learning new things. I wonder what things became clear to Jesus during these 40 days. Now, Jesus obviously has a perspective that you and I uh, don't have, uh, but Jesus has insights as well, and Jesus is, is observing what is happening. He's experiencing uh, community and, and, and that, that perfect relationship with, with the Father and with the Spirit, and, and Jesus is experiencing all of this, and, and I wonder what, what insights emerged in the midst of that, and, and we just read an interesting one. What, what else can emerge in a season like this for you and I, if we lean into this, we say, okay, God, what is it that you want to teach us? What is it that you want to show us? We'll go back to, to Luke 4 and let's look at the last part of this. Verse 9 says, Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and he said, If you are the Son of God, now again, notice that same uh, claim there, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Now again, I want you to notice here that the devil is quoting scripture to Jesus. That they're having a, a theological debate, both of them quoting Scripture. Because only Jesus knows uh, that all the Scriptures are pointing to him. You see, to, to the devil, these Scriptures are just tools to be used to make a point, to make an argument, to try to win something. 
And yet Jesus is quoting these scriptures in a very different way because he knows that they are all directed, directed at him. And so he is the embodiment of what they represent. And so it's a little bit foolish in that point of view for, for the devil to think you're going to outquote the scriptures to Jesus when Jesus is not only the author of the scriptures, he's the focus of all the scriptures. And again, that is a theme if you've been around here that you've hopefully heard me teach on quite a bit. But this is a reminder that there are so many temptations in times of isolation. So many things that, that begin to, to be struggles, to begin to be challenges in unique ways. You know, as I was listening to people in the first week or so of the quarantine, and there was an, uh, a bit of novelty about it, right? There was a sense of this is kind of fun, and this is a nice change of pace, and I'm, I'm enjoying being at home more. And I think we're at the point now where the novelty has worn off for most of us. And it's no longer, oh, this is kind of fun. Now we're getting a little bit stir crazy. Now cabin fever is kicking in. Now we're all looking out going, when will this end? And with that as a question mark, you begin to feel a new sense of anxiety, a new stress that emerges. You know, you can only watch so many Netflix shows. You can only read so many books. You can only do so much of anything uh, before you just go a little bit crazy. And now I think we're in a different season of this quarantine, a different reality of this quarantine. But even if the, uh, the first week or two were, were enjoyable uh, for you, maybe you, now you're going, this is a lot. Now that says nothing about those who are in the health uh, field that are literally putting themselves at risk every single day, that are walking into the fires. to say, how do we help those Around us, but now something has shifted. That now I think we're all experiencing this uh, on the same level to a greater degree than we were at the beginning. That now we're kind of realizing this really is something that's going to be a challenge for all of us. And so I want to ask: In the midst of this, what are you tempted to do? What temptations do you feel that that now you know uniquely you're going? Wow, I didn't normally have to deal with this, but now I'm I'm feeling this. You know, maybe for you it's a temptation to. Give up hope. I don't know what that looks like for you. Just to say, I don't have hope in this. I, I, I want to give it up. And, and again, you can go back a few weeks ago. I talked about what does it look like to have hope, um, even when you may not have optimism. Well, how, how do we navigate that? But maybe that's a temptation for you right now. It's just to give up hope, to start giving in to despair. You go, this is not going to be good. And, and just you, you begin to allow yourself mentally to go to a darker place. To go, this, this isn't going to get resolved. This isn't going to pass. This is always going to be my reality. And you begin to ask, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And, and you can just allow your mind to go there. Maybe the temptation for you is to fight against those around you. To view the people around you as threats to uh, a limited pool of resources. And that you've got to fight against them. That you've got to protect yourself and protect your family above all else, and maybe that's a temptation that, that, that you're feeling, and you're going, how do I fight that? How do I work against it? I don't want to be that person. And, and yeah, I don't know what it is for you. Last week I talked about uh, some of the temptations we have to numb the pain that we have uh, through any form of addictions or those, those kind of secret sins that we often go to and go, this will make me feel good. This will numb the pain I'm feeling. What, what are the temptations right now that you are faced with in the season of isolation. Or maybe for you it's a temptation just to choose some easy answers. To go, okay, how, how do I explain this away? And, 
And usually if there's an easy answer, it's because uh, we are, are simplifying things uh, beyond reality. And, and often easy answers come at the result of blaming someone. Well, how, how, how do we know what happened? We, we got to blame someone. And I've, I've heard a lot of this talk, even in the midst of this, of who do we blame for this? You know, we've we got to scapegoat someone. We gotta, we've got to really put this on someone. Who is it that we all can agree upon as, and I would just say that's, that's an easy answer. That, that's looking for something that, that God's not going to give you. There are no easy answers. There are no people to blame this on. It's more complicated than that. And yet we, we have to learn how to navigate a season where we do not have easy answers where we learn how to lament uh, when we ask the question and we do not get the answer that we're looking for. Now, to go back to the Time article, Wright went on uh, to say this. He said, It is no uh, part of the Christian vocation, then, to be able to explain what's happening and why. That's not what it means to be Christian, he says. It's not about explaining what happened and why it happened and having all those answers. In fact... He says, it is part of the Christian vocation not to be able to explain and to lament instead. As the Spirit laments within us, so we become, even in our self-isolation, small shrines where the presence and healing love of God can dwell. That last sentence is so good. Even in our self-isolation, we become small shrines where the presence and healing love of God can dwell. And in church, that is my encouragement for all of us today. In this season of self-isolation, when we ask the question, we do not get the response. Rather than going into despair, rather than giving in to the temptations that are, are, are probably very present for each of us, what would it look like for us to, to become these small shrines of healing and love for others to experience the presence of God? Well, here's what I want to encourage you with today, and I encourage you to write this down if you've got something to write down with or you've got a note app on a phone. In times of suffering, the Christian response is solidarity. In times of suffering, the Christian response is solidarity. We should be the ones that ask, who is suffering, who is hurting, and how? And how can we collectively enter into that with them? How can we carry that together with them? How, how do we hold up those around us? How do we support those around us? Now, again, it was interesting at the beginning of all this, of, uh, of the first week or so, there were some people that, that were like, this is great, we're loving it. And there were others that were immediately negatively affected by it, immediately struggling with this. What would it look like for us to enter into both of those realities? To enter into those who maybe go, hey, this has been a great season for me. I'm, I'm learning lots. I have great perspective. This has been a, a great chance for me to do this. But not to just stay there and think that everybody has that reality, but to also enter into the reality of those who are hurting, those who are scared, those who are suffering or grieving or lamenting. And, and how do we as the church, how do we as Christians, in solidarity together, enter into this with one another? Solidarity is needed now more than ever in a season of isolation. So how can we, church, join in solidarity with the suffering of others? There are so many opportunities to do this right now. And this is why I want to encourage you. In the midst of all that's happening, open your eyes to this. Make sure you are seeing this because this is where hope comes from. This is where uh, something greater emerges in the midst of all this. Now, we're going to hold a drive uh, next week on Easter. 
And we're going to uh, do this at each of our physical campuses. And so, again, if you are in the Pacific Northwest, uh, we want to encourage you to take part of this. And even if you're not, uh, you can go to our website and you can figure out ways to join us in this, even if you are uh, perhaps further away than that. But we're going to hold a drive uh, to partner with the Portland Rescue Mission at each of our campuses uh, happening next week. Now, the Portland Rescue Mission is an incredible organization that is serving uh, the homeless in our community. And they've been doing this for a long time. And so we have chosen them. And if you know, the last few years, we have uh, picked an outside organization that we want to say, hey, above and beyond what we normally do, we want to also bless them. We want to also support them. And, And the Portland Rescue Mission is one of the regular organizations that we partner with. And so here's what we're going to ask you to do is next week, if you're able, that you would uh, go and and do some shopping and drop some uh, supplies off at one of our campuses uh, that that would go to the Portland Rescue Mission. And together, uh, we're going to serve those who right now are dealing with this quarantine. And it would be really hard to be dealing with this quarantine and also be dealing with the realities of being homeless. And so we're going to say, look, we can, in solidarity, we can reach out to them. We can support those who are on the front lines of serving them. What would it look like for us to do this? And so we're going to give you a lot of details on our website, but here's a bit of an overview of what we're asking. Uh, This could be food, could be blankets, warm clothing, new underwear for men or women, baby items, which would be diapers or wipes or formula, uh, personal care items, which would be soap or shampoo or deodorant or masks. Again, there's going to be an extensive list that you're going to see uh, that we'll, we'll get to you as well. But, but we're going to collect all of these things. We're going to go shopping. We're going to figure out how do we get these, whether that's you physically going to the store, you ordering them online this week, you getting together with your life group and sending someone to go shopping for you, whatever that looks like. And then we're going to ask you on Easter Sunday, between 3 to 5 p.m., that you would place these items in the trunk of your car, drive up to whichever campus you go to. So it's either Happy Valley or Sandy or Vancouver. And then you literally going to drive up, you're going to pop your trunk, and we're going to have volunteers uh, that will go and get it out of your trunk for you, and then you can drive away. And yet we think this is an interesting way uh, to meet in this season, to meet a very real challenge, to reach out in solidarity, say, you know what, we're not going to cower in fear. We're not going to be afraid. We're not going to ask these you know, questions and go, well, until we get answers. No, no, we're going to lament that. But we're also going to be proactive. We're going to move forward and go, you know what, we can serve right now. And so I want to encourage you this week to take advantage of that, this week to join us in serving those who are, are, are in a unique way suffering from what is going on right now. You see, we are all in this season of Lent right now, all of us, whether or not you chose it, we're in the season of Lent. But Easter is coming. Now, what's beautiful about this is this is literally true for next week. Like, next week is literally going to be Easter Sunday. And so here's my challenge to you. Who are you going to invite with you to Easter? They're going, whoa, 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 Jeremy, uh, I thought we're not having services. How how am I going to invite someone? Yeah, we're going to do this online. We're going to have an online huge gathering next week, and I want to encourage you to do that. But who are you going to invite to watch it with you? Who are you going to invite to link up with you and and say, hey, I want to make sure you know about this. I want to make sure you can join us for this, for wherever you are. If you go online uh, to alcpnw.com forward slash Easter, you can see a whole bunch of graphics and, and material we've put together that makes it really easy for you to share that. 
You can email some people the link to this. You can share it on social media. Uh, But we want to encourage you, uh, just like we would do if we were in person, invite others to experience this with you. And here's the beauty of this right now. You can invite friends and family from all over the country, from all over the world. You can invite people, uh, whoever, wherever they are, to experience Easter with us because of what this reality has become, because of this new reality. And so I want to encourage you to spend some time praying and just ask God, who would you want me to send this to? Who do you want me to invite? And again, uh, that's usually limited to, you know, a physical uh, geography. But right now you could be praying, God, who's, uh, who's someone in my network maybe that, that I need to be sending this to, that I need to invite digitally to experience a message of hope in, in a season like this. And I want to encourage you, spend some time this week inviting others into the celebration we're going to have next weekend as we celebrate the reality of Easter. And, and, and again, especially in a season of Lent, do you need the hope of Easter? And we're going to look at that next week. And I hope that you will be digitally inviting people to go with you, that you will show up in the afternoon if you're able, or you would join us somehow uh, to, to participate in supporting the Portland Rescue Mission and going, you know what, they are serving uh, those around us. How do we serve them well? And that as we give up all these things that we've been giving up, we'll also be able to, to pair that with the hope we have in Easter. Again, this hope doesn't give us all the answers, but it begins to to refocus us that God is still here, that God is still at work, and God is doing something beautiful. So I want to close the message today with a quote that uh, that maybe you've seen online. It comes from Kitty O'Meara, and this is a a poem she wrote, and uh, and this has gone a bit viral because it's so beautiful in its language. But I think this is a a, a fitting tone uh, to, to close this on. Here's what she says. And the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being and were still and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows and the people began to think differently and the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed and the people joined together again, they grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. What would it look like? for us to to lean into this season really well, to see those around us and take advantage of all that we have, the fact that God is with us in solidarity with those who are suffering. We have the hope of Easter, even in a season of Lent. Let's pray together. Jesus, may we see you clearly now, not because we have all the answers, Not because we can ask why and we can figure this out and we can explain it, but because we get to meet you in the midst of this, because we see that even you experienced a a, a season of of quarantine. You know what it feels like to be tempted, to, to wrestle with new things. And yet we pray that just as you came through that and, and it uh, allowed you to have more resolve into what you were going to do, that that would be true of us 
that we would be more focused on you, more uh, resolute about uh, what it is that we are, are here to do as we serve those around us, as we join in solidarity with those who are suffering in unique ways all around us. So God, as we are in this indefinite season of Lent, may we also look to the hope of Easter that you are alive, that you are with us, that you are good. And may that hope permeate everything. May that hope drive us to serve, drive us to solidarity, drive us to see this in ways that perhaps others cannot. Jesus, would you continue to meet us here, continue to lead us forward, continue to show us new things through your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. God bless you guys.